Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The summer of 1993 is etched into my memory as one of the most harrowing experiences of my life. I was a park ranger in the Midwest, responsible for the safety and preservation of our beloved natural landscapes. 
Little did I know that the historic floods that year would test not only our resolve, but our very survival. It started with incessant rainfall, an unrelenting downpour that seemed to have no end. The rivers swelled and the floodwaters surged, threatening to swallow everything in their path. As a park ranger, my duty was clear, save lives and preserve parkland. But this flood was unlike anything we had ever seen. The days blurred together as we worked tirelessly, evacuating campers, rescuing stranded families, and battling the relentless waters that threatened to breach our levees. The parks we loved were submerged, and the landscape transformed into an unrecognizable expanse of water. But we couldn't afford to lose hope. Lives depended on our actions. One fateful afternoon, as I patrolled the flood-ravaged area on a small boat, I spotted something that defied explanation. It was a creature, standing about seven to eight feet tall, weighing an estimated 450 pounds. Covered in thick black fur, it was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was slimmer than the popular Bigfoot image, almost emaciated with a distinct neck. But what truly set it apart were the long, tapered horns protruding on either side of its head, also black in color. On top of its head, another horn pointed straight up. All the horns were approximately five to six inches in length and matched the same dark color as the creature. My heart pounded in my chest as I watched it from a distance. It moved with an eerie grace, navigating the floodwaters with a fluidity that belied its size. Its presence sent shivers down my spine, and I couldn't help but wonder if the flood had awakened something ancient and hidden in the depths of the wilderness. Before I could react, the creature darted into the nearby woods, disappearing among the trees. I was left in stunned silence, grappling with a surreal encounter. What had I just witnessed? Was it a creature of local legend, a survivor of the flood's fury, or something entirely unknown to science? As the floodwaters eventually receded, leaving behind a trail of destruction, I couldn't shake the memory of that enigmatic creature. It remained a mystery, a puzzle that would haunt my dreams for years to come. The floods of 1993 had reshaped the landscape, but they had also unveiled a secret, one that would forever remain locked in the depths of the Midwest wilderness. The worst thing I ever saw was while duck hunting on a secluded oxbow off a large river. These places are sometimes used by high schoolers to hook up. It wasn't uncommon or noteworthy to see a used condom at the remote boat ramp. It was a rough ramp, very little gravel, only used to get back in shallow flooded timber by duck hunters. One morning, I am taking a leak off to the side of this ramp and see a Polaroid this was the 1990s of a young boy naked. It was just of his groin. It is easily the worst thing I've ever seen hunting just because of whatever backstory accompanies that photo. I still feel uneasy thinking about what sick F had that, what they were doing out there, etc. I was working at a hospital at the time and went to walk my dog at about 4.30 in the morning. As I was coming down the stairs, I happened to glance up and saw exactly what your friend saw in her backyard. For a split second, I noticed something just like that in the Predator movies. It moved towards the chain-link fence surrounding the front yard. I know what I saw and I knew it, knew I had seen it, since I was going down the stairs, 
I didn't want to fall and had to look down and when I looked back up it was gone. I know within my soul what I saw and it seemed a little amazed startled that I saw it, although I got the strong sense it wasn't particularly friendly. The best way to say it was it seemed a little annoyed with me for actually seeing it like an adult would be if a child saw them doing something maybe they shouldn't have been doing. I continued to take my dog, walking towards where I had seen it. I wasn't afraid because somehow I knew it wasn't there anymore. My dog didn't notice it at all. About the same time, maybe a few months later, I was walking out of work to take a break. The sun was just starting to rise, the sky went colors were light to dark blue, and I happened to glance over to see a large airplane moving across the sky in its path, leaving an orange trail of exhaust. I remember thinking how pretty the dark blue, light blue, and orange colors looked in the sky. That's when I noticed two UFOs by the plane. One was below it by the back end, the other was above it almost in the middle, but more towards the back end. Again I looked down for a split second, and when I looked up again they were gone and the plane moved out of my range of view. They were both shaped like a short stack top hat. I was in awe that I saw this. The next one happened when I was sleeping one night. I remember waking terrified, never experienced any terror like I felt that night. I could not open my eyes at all. I know all about sleep terrors from reading about them, but don't believe this is what happened to me. I was panicking inside, full of horrible terror, and all of a sudden heard what I knew was two beings communicating with each other in their language, which sounded like clicking noises of different degrees, but I could also understand them telepathically and knew what they were saying. The one farther from me, who seemed like someone in a superior position to the one next to me, told it, she's awake. I got the sense it was a little startled that I was awake and aware of them. Then still terrified beyond words, I just knew I had to wake up. I still couldn't open my eyes, but was fully awake and aware. It was like being in two dimensions at once. I moved one arm against what I believed was their will, to my other arm so I could scratch my other arm as hard as I could to wake myself up, but just couldn't. All this time I'm screaming in my head for my daughter in the next room to come out and help me. In my mind I'm screaming help, help me wake up. But I could hear myself quite clearly and was only moaning really loudly. Something told me to say the Lord's Prayer, which is about the only Bible verse I know, and I did. All of a sudden I felt a sense of the most blissful eternal peace you could ever imagine. No words can even describe that sense of peace that came over me like a blanket. In an instant, I was in a very deep sleep. I woke the next day holding on to that sense of peace for a few days. It was so intense, but at night, before going to sleep for the next few days, I slept with a knife under my pillow. I knew it couldn't have done anything to help me if they came back, but it gave me a little peace of mind. A few months later, I woke up again inside myself but unable to open my eyes. Same situation, but this time I felt stronger and yelled moaned really loud and my daughter woke up and came out and started shaking me. It felt like I was pulled into my apartment. It hasn't happened again, thank God. The last happened when I was around eight. We lived in California. I was sitting in our living room playing with a new kitty and across from the living room was our kitchen. I was the only one in the apartment at this time when all of a sudden, the kitchen light turned off and the kitchen door opened and closed, 
just like someone was leaving to go to the store for a minute. I was so scared I ran outside to stay with my sister's boyfriend. This apartment was supposedly haunted by a man who was stabbed and died in the living room, and nothing ever happened in the living room, only the hallway and kitchen. My mom's sister, her boyfriend, and two of their friends saw the face of a ghost in the hallway. Also at Christmas time, our tree stood right next to the hallway entrance and several times presents would fall over and ornaments would fly off the tree when no one was over in that area. I tried to look up and find any information on someone dying in that apartment, but couldn't find anything. I have also noticed that I sometimes have weird things happen when I'm around electricity, like lights being switched off, and street lights will go off when I'm under them, handheld electronics will go a little haywire when I use them. I read something about this and found it interesting. It doesn't happen all the time, just occasionally. Well, I would like to thank you in advance if you were able to read this email. I know it's long, but even if you're not able to, it just felt perfect writing this down and sharing all this with you. Remember, if you use this, then please do not use the city I stated about in the ghost encounter or any identifying information about me. So I moved to East Tennessee about two years ago now, and the state is absolutely gorgeous. Waking up every morning to a beautiful sunrise and going to sleep actually being able to see the stars is great, since I lived in a city before I came here. Anyways, ever since I moved here with my now husband, I've been having some odd encounters experiences with something here. Not really sure what it is, but here's a basic rundown of what it does. It scratches and knocks at the back door closest to the woods, mimics voices, freaks our cat out to the point to where he doesn't act like himself, scratches on the wall closest to our bed, thumps on the floor, and gives us terrible nightmares. We live in his childhood home, and he said that he's been dealing with this thing for a while now, and to be very careful if I were to go up into the ridge by myself. I've been up there a few times, and every time I did, I got a very uneasy feeling like eyes on the back of your head or a predator watching you closely kind of thing. I think I was closest to it when we had to bury a few baby rabbits of ours that had passed away. It was dark and starting to rain, but I didn't want to just yeet them into the woods since I hand-fed them and had a bond with them. Me and Hubby were close to the tree line when I heard something pacing back and forth in it. I couldn't see it, but the leaves rustling and the presence alone told me what it was. I was spooked, but I kept digging, since I wasn't just going to leave them in a shallow grave. Whatever it is never popped out, but sat pacing the whole time. No growls or anything, just movement. Any ideas on what it could be? I don't think it's a skinwalker or windigo, but maybe a demon. Anyone else have encounters with a being like this? I wasn't hunting be me and a couple friends were walking through the woods at about 1 a.m. I pointed my flashlight into the woods and about 30 yards away was a pair of green eyes reflecting back at us. We sat there for a minute discussing what it was and the whole time it just sat there frozen. We decided that whatever it was we should leave it alone so we started to turn around. As I swung the flashlight around there was another pair of eyes, and another, and another, and another. I pointed the flashlight back to where the first pair of eyes was, 
and in the few seconds that I had taken the light off of it, it had moved closer. At that point, we each grabbed a large branch and high-tailed it in the other direction. I was walking down a trail to my stand one day, really dense scrub brush on both sides. On this particular day, I left my rifle mag at camp so I had one in the chamber and the rest in my pack. As I'm walking, I start hearing movement off to my right, then to my left. First one, then two, then what sounded like six. I caught a glimpse of fur here and there, but had no clue what it was. I slowly stopped and realized that I had been surrounded. Right at that moment, a coyote stepped out into the road and our eyes met. I figured it was probably best if I started the conversation, so I shouldered the rifle and leveled it on the coyote, hoping that one shot would scare them all. I think it was surprised by what it saw because the coyote let out a yip and turned tail and they all scattered. I was happy to not have to shoot it. I now carry my pistol with me too. I was out hunting and I christened my Mosin with its first deer so I was feeling good. Once the deer was dressed I threw it in the back of my truck because we butcher out at our farm. I sat down in my house and had a beer when I started hearing all these shrill voices outside, and I figured it was right near my truck so I tactically shit my pants, grabbed my nugget and went outside expecting battle, only to find a bunch of ten-year-old girls outside my truck looking in the bed. What? I find out that the neighbor's kids were having a slumber party and my mom for some reason called my neighbor and told them I had a deer in my truck so they all came to behold the spectacle, I guess. I was just 20 years old when this extraordinary incident occurred, right here in Sao Paulo State, Brazil. It was the year 2017, and my friend Thiago invited me to spend a day at his father's place, located just outside Jacadinga, MG. Excited for a new adventure, I accepted his invitation and together we embarked on an unforgettable journey. We arrived at Thiago's father's house on a beautiful Saturday morning. The day unfolded splendidly, filled with laughter, good food, and enjoyable activities. We relished a mouth-watering barbecue, took refreshing swims, savored delicious fruits, and engaged in meaningful conversations. Later in the day, we even lent a helping hand to Thiago's father as he pruned some trees. It was a truly enjoyable and bonding experience. As the sun began to set and darkness veiled the surroundings, around 8 p.m., Thiago's father requested that we leave. With his old-fashioned Fiorino pickup truck, we embarked on our journey back. Thiago and I settled in the bucket seats, with our backs to the rear window, gazing backward as the truck moved along. We had covered about a kilometer when Thiago's father slowed down to pass through a tunnel. Suddenly, we noticed a towering black figure rapidly approaching from behind. Initially, I thought it was a large dog, its eyes gleaming in the darkness. In that moment, confusion and fear engulfed us, and we exchanged bewildered comments about the mysterious creature. It stood on the precipice, resembling a person, gazing intently in our direction from a distance of approximately 40 to 50 meters. The encounter left us utterly terrified and perplexed. As we locked eyes with the creature, it swiftly shifted back onto all fours and descended the ravine, 
heading towards the road. It reached the roadside with remarkable speed, bounding across the entire width of the road and leaping into the opposite ravine. Thiago exclaimed, that's a werewolf. To our astonishment, the werewolf continued to pursue us, mirroring our path through the woods. Leaves and branches were sent flying, the snapping of twigs resonated through the air, and we glimpsed the creature maneuvering effortlessly among the trees. Thiago urged his father to accelerate, revealing that something was relentlessly tailing us. The father inquired, What is it? To which Thiago responded, I think it's a werewolf. Finally, we arrived at a river and crossed a narrow bridge. Strangely, the werewolf did not follow us across the river, but remained on the riverbank steadfastly watching our departure until it disappeared from sight at the bend in the road. This encounter shattered my disbelief in the existence of werewolves, despite hearing stories from my parents and grandparents. From that day forward, I have been apprehensive about venturing into the countryside at night, harboring a newfound respect for the unknown. The memory that etched itself most deeply in my mind was the creature's astounding leap effortlessly traversing the road from one side to the other. Reflecting on the incident, I realized that had it not been for the river, that ferocious werewolf might have pounced onto the Fiorino Uno, eager to seize us. Now I cautiously avoid nighttime journeys to the countryside, mindful of the cryptids and mythical creatures that may lurk beyond the safety of the city's embrace. In Thailand, we have a territorial defense force where it's pretty much the national reserves. Most do it to get away from the draft, though. This event happened last year during my first time at the camp, so we are at a three-day camp at the training base in Kanchanaburi province called Keachonkai, literally translating to Chicken Crash Mountain. They say it used to be a battlefield where the Siamese and the Burmese clash all the time centuries ago, and that it's haunted as F. On either the first or the second night, I couldn't remember I was picked for the graveyard shift duty, 1 a.m., 3 a.m. to patrol around our sleeping quarters. Others had a stationary place to guard, the front entrance, back entrance, toilets, armory, etc. Me and my partner walked around the camping grounds around three times, and both agreed that we should sit down and rest for a while. We went to sit at the front entrance, which was just a paved road with the other side being a dense forest with a small walkway that would lead to a restaurant area around 200 meters away to its right. Just so you know, the camping grounds were surrounded by dense forests, which we call Pacha Slow Jungle, which are always places where supernatural stuff reside and scary as hell, because they're just thick jungles that no one has been in. During our quiet rest at the paved road, I heard a sound of a person walking, not just on the pavement or the restaurant area, but in the pacha on the other side of the road. I told myself that it's just a dog or a restaurant owner that wants to take a piss at 2 a.m., but deep inside I knew that the restaurants were towards a different direction, and there were barely any stray dogs in this camp. The footsteps were just pacing around, wandering endlessly in a very dense jungle. In most of the countries in SEA, we have a tradition to not draw attention to supernatural things. So I asked my friend who was stationed at the front entrance if he could hear anything. He said no, just to clarify. I asked him again after the camp. He said he could hear footsteps, but he thought it was the wind. 
The sound of someone stepping and walking through what sounded like knee-height grass along with the sight of a dark, dense, spooky forest just sizzles my spine. I told my partner we should go for one last patrol and hand it over to the guys on the 3-5 a.m. shift. But honestly, I just wanted to get out of there. Sucks for the front entrance guards. The next day we had night training and the drill sergeants told us that sounds like horse galloping, digging, elephant footsteps, swords clashing and sharpening, and the pacha were to be ignored and never to be investigated. I never got closure on what that sound really was. I'll be there again in a few months though. Hope I don't find anything like this again. It was another one of my bear hunting adventures, and I had just finished cleaning a massive black bear I had taken down. The sun was beginning to set, casting an eerie glow over the dense forest. The air was thick with the earthy scent of pine and anticipation. As I meticulously prepared the bear, my ears caught a distant sound. It started as a low, haunting howl that echoed through the trees. The hair on the back of my neck stood on end, and a shiver ran down my spine. Timber wolves. Their mournful cries seemed to fill the entire forest, sending a chilling sensation down my spine. Just as I was about to shake off the uneasiness and pack up my gear, something caught my eye. Glancing at the trail camera I had set up earlier, my heart skipped a beat. There it was, a chilling image captured by the camera. A timber wolf stood tall and proud, its eyes shining with an untamed wildness. But that wasn't all. Right beside it, standing on two legs like a bipedal creature, was a dogman. The sight sent a surge of fear through me, as if something primal within me recognized the danger. The dogman's presence, so close to where I had been just twenty minutes ago, made my skin crawl. It was an encounter that defied explanation, leaving me unnerved and filled with a mixture of curiosity and dread. It was a crisp autumn morning, and I found myself scouting a river bank alongside my brother-in-law, eager to discover potential duck hunting spots. The sun's golden rays filtered through the trees, casting a warm glow on the surrounding landscape. Little did I know that this peaceful excursion would soon take an unexpected turn. As we ventured deeper into the wilderness, our eyes scanning the horizon for signs of waterfowl, we began to notice peculiar markings on the ground bear sign. A mix of excitement and caution filled the air, for black bears were known to be elusive creatures. Yet, curiosity propelled us forward, and we pressed on, hoping to catch a glimpse of one of these magnificent creatures. It wasn't long before our attention was drawn to a nearby oxbow, a potential haven for ducks. Anxious to assess its suitability as a hunting spot, we cautiously made our way towards it. However, our eagerness soon gave way to astonishment and a primal sense of fear. Standing about fifty to sixty yards away, in all its towering glory, was the biggest black Bigfoot I had ever personally laid eyes upon. Its presence was awe-inspiring, and I couldn't help but feel a mixture of wonder and trepidation. Time seemed to stand still as we locked eyes with this enigmatic creature. Sensing our presence, the Bigfoot appeared nonchalant, showing no overt interest in our company. Yet, an unspoken understanding passed between us we were unarmed, vulnerable in the face of such raw power. 
Had it chosen to close the distance, it could have done so with ease. The realization sent a chill down my spine. In that moment, we knew that our best course of action was to retreat slowly, step by cautious step. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Without turning our backs, our hearts raced as we walked in reverse, our eyes never leaving the formidable figure before us. The Bigfoot, seemingly unbothered by our presence, remained stationary, a silent sentinel observing our retreat. Finally, with a mix of relief and gratitude, we reached a safe distance. The creature made no attempt to pursue us, choosing instead to vanish into the dense forest. It was a surreal encounter. In 2002, I had just responded to a call outside of Glendale, Rhode Island. We were called to the area because a hunter had been chased by what he believed was a large bat humanoid. Its face and eyes looked like a ball about two inches across, very bright, and seemed to be grinning at him with sharp teeth. The wings did not flap, but somehow glided away from the man, who was still standing in amazement at what he just saw. It flew off into the trees and never came back out. I searched for over an hour, trying to find this creature without success. I heard no other sightings since then either. There is a bit of hunting that goes on in the area throughout the year. Officer B, who will remain anonymous for this report, indicates that it wasn't something that could have easily been explained. They are very hesitant to share their full encounter due to ridicule. However, Officer B did describe the creature, 
and did not indicate that it seemed to be something that could have easily been misidentified as any known animal. Officer B also indicated that there was a constant stream of hunters in this area during the time of the search, but no other reports were noted for this specific area. At the time, Officer B did state that they had heard stories from other officers regarding strange sightings and experiences with various large bat-like creatures all around Glendale, Rhode Island over the course of several years dating back prior to 2002. Of note, Officer B has indicated that they are considered by some members of law enforcement as reliable witnesses due to their hard-earned reputation for truth reporting of facts associated with their profession. This creature's sighting remains unexplained. Officer B stated that they have seen other reports in the area and has indicated similar sightings in the general area, though no other locations in Glendale match these reports. There's also a note that a man by the name of John Burglary was doing some work in a cemetery in Glendale. He claims to have seen a large creature in one section of the cemetery back in 1984. He described it as demonic, tall, black, with large wings. He claimed that it flew directly over his head and believed it came from a portal from hell. He equates its size to be roughly eight feet tall if standing. Though this report isn't specific to Glendale, I did extensive research for any type of flying humanoid report from all around the area, and only three, including Officer B's sightings, popped up. All other similar sightings I located were across the country, not limited to southern New England. Officer B later sent me an email indicating that there have been other strange incidents prior to their own sighting. Two years previously, a local youth had been severely mauled by something he described as a big hairy thing with wings. No other reports came out from the area regarding the incident, and the boy was never interviewed or heard from again. Although I think a large part of that is the media jumping in to shut that down before the public got word and began to mass panic. Officer B indicated that it appeared to them that law enforcement was trying their best not to mention the incident to the public. At one point or another, government officials had stepped in and took control over the case. Officer B had also contacted me later, indicating that they had also spoken to a retired officer who said they were involved in an incident where one of their colleagues was attacked by something very large and unidentified. This was after responding to a call in the same general vicinity. This is likely what led them to investigate further when they received the initial hunter's report. I'm aware of several areas across New England and the world that have, on occasion, had incidents like these. There's usually some kind of game or animal to blame, though what is described by Officer B doesn't appear to be anything like an owl or other known species of flying animal. As always, I welcome any further information regarding this type of report. If you have experienced similar events, feel free to contact me. I am also looking for input from individuals who are interested in real research and would enjoy being involved with a group working together on finding explanations for currently unexplained mysteries across New England and beyond. Officer B, whose name will be kept confidential to protect their employment and identity status, also indicated that immediately following the sightings, there had been government officials reporting the same thing, documented as looking like a big person with wings. Other than a few hunters who claim they've seen something large and unidentified flying around at night, nothing has been said about the incident.
It is assumed that law enforcement will follow up with further investigation if they can confirm something was actually sighted that evening near Glendale. But since we are relying largely on bureaucracy, I wouldn't hold my breath. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was the early days of the US, invasion of Afghanistan, a time when the world held its breath in the aftermath of the Twin T attacks. Our mission was clear, root out the Taliban, obliterate Al-Qaeda, and bring justice to those who had caused such immense suffering on American soil. I was part of an elite special forces team, a group of men handpicked for their courage, resilience, and unwavering dedication to the mission. Our journey had led us deep into the heart of Kandahar, a place as unforgiving as it was rugged. The terrain was unlike anything we had ever encountered before, a stark contrast to the familiar training grounds back in the States. We weren't alone in this hostile land. Our local Afghan allies, who had no shortage of bravery, stood with us in the face of an unrelenting enemy. We had engaged in fierce battles against the Taliban, each firefight testing our mettle and resolve. But there was one encounter during our time in Kandahar that still haunts my dreams to this day, an encounter that defied all logic and explanation. It happened one eerie night when the moon hung low in the sky, casting eerie shadows upon the barren landscape. Our team had established a temporary camp, our weary bodies yearning for some rest before the next operation. As I lay on my cot, my senses on high alert, I heard whispers among my comrades about something unnatural lurking in the darkness. The tension in the air was palpable as we grabbed our weapons and moved cautiously through the moonlit night. It wasn't long before we saw it, a ghastly figure emerging from the Inkai blackness of the Afghan night. It was taller than the pickup by easily a couple of feet. Its grotesque form was like something out of a nightmare. Its skeletal frame was surrounded by an impenetrable darkness, a void that seemed to absorb every trace of light. Long, sinewy arms hung at its sides, as if in a mocking challenge, as if it was saying, try and hit me. We were not the type to back down from a threat, but this was unlike anything we had ever encountered. The creature was three-dimensional, with an aura of malevolence that chilled us to our very core. Its face, or what passed for one, was a haunting deer skull, devoid of any warmth or humanity. Fear gripped us, but we were trained to analyze, to assess the situation. It was a futile effort. Before we could react, the creature lunged at us with a horrifying speed, its long arms outstretched like the grasp of death itself. Panic set in, and we opened fire, our weapons unleashing a storm of bullets. The night erupted into chaos as the creature hissed and shrieked, its unearthly wails sending shivers down our spines. The firefight was intense, our adrenaline-fueled hearts pounding in our chests as we fought for our lives against this abomination from the depths of darkness. In the end, the creature managed to evade us, disappearing into the treacherous Afghan mountains, leaving us shaken and bewildered. We stared at each other, a mixture of disbelief and terror etched onto our faces. As we regrouped and tended to our wounded, we couldn't help but wonder what we had encountered that fateful night. Was it some supernatural entity? A product of the fear and exhaustion that gripped us in the desolate wilderness? Or had we stumbled upon a hidden facet of this ancient land, a mystery that would forever haunt our memories?
One thing was certain we had entered Kandahar as soldiers, but we left as witnesses to the inexplicable. The shadows of that night would linger long after we had departed that unforgiving land, a reminder that some secrets are best left buried in the rugged terrain of Afghanistan. During my eight years as U.S. Navy submariner, I experienced an unforgettable incident. On one occasion, I found myself succumbing to exhaustion and dozed off aboard the submarine, which was a rare luxury given the demanding nature of our work. Little did I know that this moment of slumber would lead me into a realm of dreams that I would later refer to as the dream fish. In my sleep-deprived state, I dreamt of an extraordinary creature that seemed to attach itself to our submarine when we ventured into the depths of the ocean. This dream fish possessed an uncanny ability to manipulate our thoughts and influence our dreams using some form of telepathy or brainwave manipulation. In the dream, I was acutely aware that my thoughts and dreams were being influenced by this enigmatic entity, even though I understood it was not real. The communication with the dream fish occurred through emotional suggestions rather than words, creating a surreal and bewildering experience. It was by far the craziest and most peculiar dream I had ever encountered. Although I firmly believe that the dream fish is merely a creation of my subconscious mind, I must admit that subsequent dreams featuring this elusive creature occurred only when we were below a certain depth. Upon waking, I would instinctively determine the submarine's depth during the period of my slumber, something I hadn't bothered to check or know prior to falling asleep. Does the dream fish truly exist? Logically speaking, it is highly unlikely. However, the allure of its existence lingers in my mind. Perhaps if you find yourself falling asleep beneath the embrace of the ocean waves, you too might encounter this enigmatic dream fish. Only then will you truly know if it is more than just a figment of the imagination. My and my friends are into hardcore survival. We got to remote areas of the UK and try to stay for a week. No food, water or technology, but all is kept in our car close by in case of emergency. Anyways, we were in the middle of a forest we frequent because we know it well, and in the winter months food is harder to find. The sun had been down for a few hours and the six of us were sitting around a fire, just having general conversations when I heard the worst piercing scream I've ever heard in my life. It sounded like a young adult teenager girl. It was definitely human, and for a solid ten seconds, there was just repeated screaming followed by silence. I've been out in the wilds to know what foxes sound like and other animals like, and this was nothing like that. Me and some of my friends went to investigate and followed the direction of the scream while two of my friends stayed in camp. We looked for a solid two hours and couldn't find a thing, and headed back to camp. They didn't hear or see anything interesting either. We chalked it up to some animal or something, and we all tried to sleep. Obviously, because of that experience, the good all primal senses went into overdrive, and I could hear twigs snapping all around the outside of my shelter, but blamed exactly that and went to sleep after rationalizing to myself about the weird goings-on. I was then woken up by one of my mates tapping me and saying he heard muffled whispering and looked genuinely panicked. To put it into context for you, I've known this guy for seven years and I've never seen him spook like this, 
even when we go to weird, spooky places like the Screaming Forest Great Place. I listened for this whispering and didn't hear anything, but I felt uncomfortable enough to wake the rest of the group up, and we went home early. To this day, I have no idea if it was just another group of people messing with us, or if it was just him hearing things or what. I find it odd that in all our times going there, we've never encountered anybody before. Nobody in our group has any idea what it really was, but we have fun pondering the possibilities. We've never gone back to that place because of that experience, though. I was at the gas station with a few friends. We were getting gas, and I had just a weird feeling all morning. I look at my Snapchat story views, and there are 666 with six screenshots. Me and my friend immediately both notice and make eye contact, and I shut my phone off. Time passes, we're still in the same spot waiting for our friend to get out of the store, and a truck pulls in next to us. The man that got out had sunglasses on, and I just got a feeling when I saw him. About ten more minutes go by just us sitting there, and he walks out again, but with no glasses on. He stands in front of me and smiles with his teeth, and his eyes were completely black. His bottom eyelashes were very thick and probably an inch long. I whispered to my friend, look at that man's eyes, and she saw his side profile and turned ghost white. I got tears in my eyes and goosebumps. I was born in northern New Jersey and grew up there. When we were teenagers, my friends and I explored supposedly haunted places for fun, so we had a lot of memorable experiences up in that area. Nothing too crazy happened to us while exploring Shades of Death Ghost Lake, apart from a generally weird vibe and hearing some creepy sounds, but about 20 minutes north of there in Sussex County was a different story. Two memories immediately come to mind where I actually saw something. The first is the lake monster of Forest Lake. I was about 12 years old, swimming halfway between Main Beach and the floating dock when I felt something cold and very firm brush my toes. That water is tea-colored and silty, so you can't see too far down before visibility turns to zero. I was small then and kind of treading in place, so I could still see my feet in the murky water. After feeling that nudge, I looked down just in time to see this absolutely massive creature gliding slowly beneath me. It was huge, and I mean huge, maybe 10-12 feet long. In the moment, it just seemed to go on and on as it passed beneath me. I remember it was gray and sort of dappled in color. It felt smooth and kind of slimy. I absolutely flipped out and swam to that floating dock faster than I have ever swam in my life. Everyone thought I was making it up, but I refused to get back in the water. After about half an hour, my mother's boyfriend had to come and forcibly get me, and he swam me back to shore in a lifeguard carry. I actually never swam out in that lake again. If I went there with my family, my feet had to be touching the sand. I would not go any further out. I was ridiculed for it, but I didn't care. Folks tried to get me to admit I was just a kid and imagined it. Or maybe it was like a fallen tree somehow floating autonomously through the water. But I know what I saw and felt. It was alive and it was swimming. Years later, a local friend who I had never shared my story with told me she'd heard from her parents about there supposedly being some kind of lake monster in Forest Lake. 
She described it as a prehistoric fish. I don't know about that, but it was pretty validating. It's a 45-acre lake, so who knows what is in there. To this day, I hate swimming in lakes and will rarely do it because of that experience. The second is about the werewolf of Cranberry Lake. We had heard rumors over the years about there being a werewolf out in the deep woods of Alamuchi State Park, but we never saw anything until one summer night in 2008. There were five of us walking down a moonlit path in a marshy area with one dying flashlight, just messing around as teenagers do when we saw something moving down in a ditch beside the path. It was skulking low to the ground, and the clearest detail I remember is the joints didn't seem to bend the right way, like a cricket's back legs. It made a sudden, guttural growl and took off. Only saw a glimpse of it through the underbrush, but it was really solid and muscular looking, with short tawny fur. It bolted, and we ran away in the opposite direction. At first we theorized it was an injured mountain lion, but cougars don't exist in NJ. Back then we were sold on it being a werewolf. Werecat would make more sense. I still have no rational explanation. We were stone cold sober and we all saw it. Didn't get a good look at the head because it was down low. But I remember the body just being so muscular and the back legs being bent wrong. We were absolutely wired and stayed for hours at the local diner talking about it and telling everyone who would listen. That was a good night. I hunt and camp, and I'm not afraid of the woods. I still go solo backpacking. Back when I was in my early 20s, I went camping or hunting by myself in northern Georgia near a town called Hiawassee. Camp was a mile or two down a sketchy dirt road, and I hiked up a mountain to a spot I liked to hunt another half mile or so. Anyway, it started to get dark, and it started to snow, and I didn't see any deer. So I gathered my gear and decided to head back to camp. When I got up and turned around, I was about 15 yards away from the biggest black bear I've ever seen. We locked eyes, and I froze. Easily a 500 pounds or more bear. All I had was my 12-gauge slugger. Thankfully, the bear turned and ran away. I slept in my car that night as I was alone out there and for a while I was afraid of camping alone that deep in the woods. Eric Johnson was a man who belonged to two worlds, the bustling realm of his family and the serene depths of the ocean. Tall and muscular, with a weathered face that spoke of countless hours spent under the sun, Eric possessed a rugged charm that matched his adventurous spirit. His salt and pepper hair framed a pair of piercing blue eyes that reflected his deep love for the sea. The ocean had always called to him, captivating his imagination with its mysteries and enchanting beauty. But hidden beneath Eric's love for the ocean was an unyielding fear and unspoken dread of the unknown lurking within the deep. This fear had its roots in a childhood incident etched into his memory. As a young boy, Eric had witnessed a terrifying creature emerge from the shadowy depths of the ocean, its monstrous form haunting his dreams ever since. Despite this deep-rooted phobia, Eric couldn't resist the pull of the ocean's allure. It was as if an invisible force beckoned him to confront his fears, to unravel the mysteries that had plagued him for so long. And so, with trepidation and determination intertwined, 
Eric made the decision to embark on an expedition to an uncharted region of the ocean, an endeavor that would test his courage in ways he couldn't have imagined. Accompanied by a team of marine researchers and fellow divers, Eric descended into the watery abyss. The journey began with a mix of excitement and unease as strange and foreboding signs began to reveal themselves. A missing research vessel whispered tales of bizarre occurrences in the deep, and eerie oceanic phenomena that defied rational explanation. All of these cast a haunting aura over the expedition. But it was during a routine dive, beneath the weight of unfathomable depths, that Eric's worst nightmares manifested into a chilling reality. As he maneuvered through the dark currents, a sudden shift in the water alerted him to a presence unlike anything he had encountered before. His heart raced as he turned to face the behemoth before him a creature of colossal proportions, dwarfing any known species that inhabited the ocean's depths. Its massive form, resembling a monstrous shark from the pages of ancient legends, sent shivers down Eric's spine. Its cold, malevolent eyes pierced through the murky waters, locking onto his own, freezing him in place. The creature possessed a primal power that surpassed even that of the mighty white shark an embodiment of pure terror that awakened every dormant fear within Eric's soul. In a frenzy of violence, the monstrous beast attacked the team, its ferocity leaving no room for escape. Panic consumed the divers, their futile attempts to ward off the creature only feeding its insatiable hunger. The once unified team became a scattered chaos, their cries swallowed by the unforgiving depths. But Eric, driven by an instinct for survival and a desperate will to defy his fate, found himself doing the unimaginable. He became the antithesis of his fellow divers, moving with calculated precision, dodging the creature's relentless assaults. His mind, fueled by fear and adrenaline, deciphered a pattern in its relentless attacks, a pattern he exploited to his advantage. Finally, a moment of opportunity arose. Eric seized it, swimming with every ounce of strength left in his battered body. In a burst of sheer willpower, he broke free from the clutches of the abyssal horror, ascending towards the surface where salvation awaited. Gasping for air, his heart pounding, Eric pulled himself onto the safety of the waiting boat. He glanced back at the haunting abyss, knowing deep within his soul that he would never return to those treacherous depths again. The harrowing encounter had forever altered his perception of the ocean, transforming it from a sanctuary of wonder to a realm of nightmares. As the boat sailed back to port, Eric carried with him the scars of his encounter and indelible mark etched upon his spirit.